Hey all you heroes, hawks, heralds, crows, pirates, and wardens. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we unpack, discuss, and galaxy brain about all the lore behind the Dragon Age series. We are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe, from character deep dives to exalted marches and elven gods. We will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we talk about all things that have to do with the Dragon Age universe. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup, and I am one of your hosts for this podcast. And I'm Shelby, or SheCup, and I'm your other host for this podcast. And we are here with a lot of new things to tell you. The first thing is that you would have heard our new intro music. This is a big thing that we got from Pipe Man Studios. So a big thank you to Pipe Man for doing this for us and giving us some awesome intro music to listen to. Yeah. And he like made this music himself. Like how amazing is that? Um, We are super thankful to him. He's a great member of our community. If you're in the discord, definitely give Pipe Man a thank you. Um, He did a really, really awesome job and I hope you enjoy the new intro and outro music. Yeah, definitely. Also, Shelby, I think We have a survey to talk about. We do have a survey. So, you know, there's a lot of different choices we can make in Dragon Age, right? Yes. Like a lot of different ones. So along with Cloudy Atlas, the one, the only Cloudy Atlas, we are, we have created a Dragon Age survey. Now, if you listen to the Mass Effect Lorecast, you might be familiar with this kind of survey. They've done similar surveys um, about the Mass Effect decisions you can make in that universe and that game series. And as we know, Mass Effect is also created by Bioware. So there's a lot of similarities between Mass Effect and Dragon Age. So we are also doing a survey. So in the survey, you will get to answer questions about all kinds of things. Um, your origins, your romances, and what you did with with certain plot lines in the games. Now, not everything is in the survey. If we get a lot of good responses, we'll we'll maybe do another one. But for now, this is this is uh, where we're at on the survey, and we really need your help to take this survey and get like a really good sample of the community. I would love to see a ton of responses. I'm so curious um, about the decisions that y'all have made in these games. Right. Yeah, me too. Um, Shelby, how long will this survey be up? I think we're putting it up for two weeks. So you don't have forever. If you're listening to this, you, you probably should go do it right now. Yes, and it will be posted on our Twitter, in the Discord server, all the places we communicate. Yeah, and even in the episode description of this episode as well. Awesome. Well, that was a lot of new. Are you ready to get into the lore of this episode? Well, but first, before we do that, I think we should mention, this is really the beginning of our season four. Right, right. I mean, technically, last episode was the beginning of our season four, and we did that one. 
We did do that one ourselves, but it was Halloween, so that was kind of special. Um, so this is kind of the first, first, uh, it's the beginning. We'll just say it's the beginning of our season four. Can you believe that we're already into our fourth season? No, I cannot. I can't either. Well, do you want to tell them what the theme of this season is about? Yeah, so the theme of this season is all about creatures and animals things you get into like you know last week we talked about the nug everyone's favorite rabbit rodent hybrid thing and so we're gonna be talking about all kinds of creatures now it's not every creature you encounter in thetis like we're not going to talk about rabbits right we're not going to talk about things that you already know and have experienced or can experience in our world we're going to be talking about creatures that are unique to thetis and we're also not going to be talking about monsters so we're not going to be talking about dark spawn or revenants or things like that we're going to be talking about like innocent animals like nugs and like today's topic the mabari but not all of them will necessarily be innocent that's that's fair. Not all of them will be inherently evil, though. Correct. All right. Well, you ready to dive into the lore? Let's get into it. All right. So this will be a season that we revisit. At least we're, we have plans to do this creatures season at least twice, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that we will get to revisit it maybe even three or four times, depending on if we continue getting new animals added in Dragon Age Dreadwolf and potential games after that. Today, we are talking about Mabari. Everyone's favorite dog. Yeah. And so you might be thinking after that disclaimer I just gave, Shelby, she cup, dogs are in our world too. And that's true. That is very true. They are, but not in the way that Mabari exists in Thetis. So we're going to get started. And if I understand it correctly, Mabari are a specific, there are regular dogs in Thetis. And then there's Mabari. They're a specific breed of dog that may be correct although i'm not entirely sure so um let's get started with fun facts you good to go mm -hmm. all right so my first fun fact is that mabari are technically not pets they are war hounds they are a major part of the culture in ferelden but they're not really bred or used in other countries in thetis and then secondly, this is my favorite fun fact of all time, of all time. In The Sims 3, you can get a Mabari as a pet in the Pets Limited Edition pack. I love it. It's very cute. I love The Sims, so that's why that's my favorite. My third fun fact is that the Dalish tell their dogs to take the dread wolf by the ear if he comes. Interesting. I now, okay, so now I imagine a Dalish inquisitor who marries Cullen telling their dog to take Solus by the ears. Yes, absolutely. I love it. So, Mabari, according to the Kennel Master in Dragon Age Origins, are also said 
to have been bred by mages. Interestingly enough, we'll get into their origin later, and there is some disagreement over this, so we'll we'll just dis- we'll discuss it. And then my last, very last fun fact is about hawk, actually. And uh, hawks Mabari can, in Act Three of Dragon Age Two, they can catch a burglar and scare him into the dresser. It's very funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. I just love Hawk's interactions with their Mabari because there's always the option to just be like, who's a good boy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that um, so many, well, I guess just in 2 and Origins, but we get so many of the companion responses too to the dog. Um, and I do think that says a lot about their character and I, I like that. So But let's get into the history and appearance about the dogs. So the Mabari are a large, very muscled, short coat dog. This, frankly, to me, when you say that description, it sounds like Snips, which is our dog. Does it not? Yes. She's a large, extremely muscled, short coat dog. Um, But most of the Mabari we see in games are tan or brown. Technically, they can be black, and some of them do have spots, um, but I think most of the ones we see in-game are brown or tan. Yeah. Regardless, they are extremely intelligent dogs. They are unable to, they are able to understand complex orders from their masters, not just simple commands like sit down, lay down, fetch, outside, not those kinds of things, things that are much more complicated than that, like attack patterns in battle. Mm -hmm. And they also have a very, uh, very long memory, almost like elephants in our world. Um, People say elephants don't forget anything. That's very much how the Mabari appear. And then also, even though they're fierce and ferocious, we know that they're also incredibly friendly, incredibly sociable, incredibly loyal to their masters. And speaking of their masters, every Mabari chooses their own master in a process called imprinting. And this process, their choosing of their master is for life. They don't change masters unless the master dies or I guess gets rid of them. But I'm not really sure how that would even work. Um, so a Mabari can imprint, like I said, after losing their master, but it's usually a very difficult process. So to be a master of a Mabari, especially in Ferelden, is automatically instantly recognized that you are a person of worth. You are a good person. You are a person of character. I'm just saying the known masters of Mabari that we have seen. Mm-hmm. are the hero of Ferelden, Hawk, and Cullen. And the Kennel Master. Oh, yes, the Kennel Master. But it may, now I'm very sad because I'm thinking about poor Barb Spawn if the hero of Ferelden dies. Do you think they've imprinted on someone else? I don't know. I mean, I think that it depends on your hero of Ferelden because, like, if your if if your hero Ferelden is not a Kuzland, that dog has already imprinted on two masters already. Yeah, which I feel like would be 
I don't know if that makes them harder or easier to imprint on someone else. I feel like it's traumatic, so it would be harder. But at the same time, the Kuzlin's dog has been with them since birth, basically, and loves them and found them after being separated and watching everyone die. So I don't know. What do you think? I think that it all very much depends on who's in the party. I think that regardless, Bark Spawn would imprint if another party member was willing to take care of them. I think that they would trust that specifically Liliana Morgan or Alistair or Zebrin. I think, but I think that Liliana might be the next in line. I think it would be really funny if the Mobari imprinted on Morrigan. Especially after it ate all of her herbs. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that would be funny. But I definitely see your point about the Kuzland and being from birth. I mean, if we think about it, like for our obligatory Game of Thrones reference, um, if we think about the Targaryens and their dragons, and we think about spoilers for the end of Game of Thrones, if we think about how Drogon is when he looks at Daenerys's body, I don't think he's imprinting on anyone else anytime soon. But we do know dragons rebond with people, uh, i.e. Vagar from House of Dragon. That's also true. I mean, I think it would really depend on the dog. And I'm not sure we know enough about Bark Spawn, the Mabari, to, to be able to say that. Yeah. So before we move on to the origins of the Mabari, I did bring a quote from the Mabari dominant, Dominance Codex entry. This is what it says. Mabari hounds are descended from pack hunters, and like their ancestors, they are highly influenced by a defined order of dominance. The primary method of determining that order is by claiming territory through scent marking major landmarks. Once established, the dominant Mabari gains a substantial increase in confidence and stature within his territory, a trait that indirectly benefits master as well as hound. End quote. So this is why we have landmark tree in Dragon Age so often. It took me a really long time to be aware of this gameplay mechanic. Um, so I just wanted people to know that. I just want to like pause for a minute and just think about what fun of a job it would be to be the person responsible for making Mabari lore for Dragon Age. I know. I want the job. Bioware, yeah. please hire me. Like, just sit around, okay, we've got these warhounds, but let's make everyone fall in love with them. So basically, make them ferocious beasts that will tear your throat out, but also they're good boy doggos. So make that work. Riders, make it work. <laughs> um. So anyway, let's move on to the origins of Mabari for a little bit. So the Kennel Master in Origins tells us that Mabari were rumored to have been bred by mages. Fenris in Dragon Age 2 expands on this. He claims that the Taventer Magisters were the ones that originally created the Mabari and used them in fighting against Andraste and the proto Fereldans. However, the Mabari 
according to legend, literally defected in the middle of battle and joined the side of Andraste, which power move number one. On the other hand, though, Ferelden's claim that Mabari were bred from wolves who served the legendary hero Dane, who was a renowned Alamari hunter. So we have two different origin stories for Mabari. We have the Ferelden claim the traditional Ferelden claim that the Mabari were bred from wolves who served their hero Dane. And then we also have what the Kennelmaster and Fenris say that they were bred by the mages of Tevinter and then became Ferelden during their war with Andraste. Which do you think is more likely? Which one do you favor, Austin? I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say that I think both are true. I'm going to. I could have put money down that that's what you were going to say. Because here's what I'm going to argue. Throughout history, various domesticated dogs or species of dogs or wolves have been used by various groups of people in combat situations or hunting situations. Like that is something that you can track across continents in our world. So my theory is that both are true and the reason that the Ferelden dogs defect is because Taventure Magisters don't make good masters and we know from other lore points like if you mistreat a Mabari, if you are not kind to your Mabari, they will defect from you. And so I think that the Mabari would have known and seen Andraste fighting against these masters and likely carrying other dogs with them, seeing them fight and having some kind of communication. And the species of Mabari that we have now are descended from the intermingling of both groups. I think that that is a really good answer. Um, And I definitely agree with you. And I also agree that Taventer, 100% Taventer Magisters would be terrible masters. Because at the end of the day, at least the Taventer Magisters of old, they really only care about themselves and their own power and glory. Um, So how can they take care of any other living creature? I know somebody, some Taventer apologist is going to come in here and argue with me on that, but that's okay. Uh, I stand by what I'm saying. Do you have any other thoughts about origins of the Mabari? I don't think so. Other than... Probably, but I mean, if they are descended from wolves, it was a long time ago. And because how wolves look and how Mabari look are night and day, like even in like how they're built, like wolves have a more muscle, like a thorough muscle build throughout when we see them designed in the games, whereas the Mabari are really stocky in the front and then they have hind legs. And, you know, I guess that's for them to like power forward and have a lot of like pouncing power when they jump on someone. But so like, I think that that, if that, that distance is very, very distant. And even dogs we have today are not actually that close to wild wolves so no, they're not makes sense. um that's a good point so let's move into their association with Ferelden because we can't not we can't not talk about Ferelden so 
regardless of if they're or if they really originated with the wolves of Ferelden or with the magisters of Tevinter, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, they are ubiquitous with Ferelden now, right? And part of the reason why they have become so ubiquitous and synonymous with Ferelden culture is because it's said that Andraste had a Mabari herself. Now, we don't quite know if this is true or not, but that's what the legends say. But if there are two things that define Ferelden culture, it's Mabari and Andraste. So I brought a codex quote, and this is actually a poem slash song. Uh, a, a tavern song actually and I I'm gonna read it all because I love it so much so um, stick with me this is from the Andraste's Mabari Codex you know Andraste's old Mabari he don't show up in the chant and if you ask those holy sisters well they'll say Andraste can't have had some big old smelly war dog but all Ferelden knows it right our sweet lady needed someone who would warm her feet at night and there's Andraste's Mabari by the Holy Prophet's side. In the fight against Tevinter, that dog would never hide. They say the maker sent him special, always loyal, without pride, so he could be the sworn companion of the maker's holy bride. Oh, that dog he guards Andraste without arrogance or fear, only asking of his mistress just a scratch behind the ears." But then old Mafrath gets to plotting, tries to lure that dog away. But even as they trap the prophet, her Mabari never strays. And there's Andraste's Mabari by the holy prophet's side in the fight against Tevinter that dog would never hide. They say the maker sent him special, always loyal without pride, so he could be the sworn companion of the maker's holy bride. Oh, they thought the wounds had killed him. But then he limped out toward the fire, and Hesarian he shed a tear, as that dog laid on the pyre. And there's Andraste's Mabari. BRB sobbing! Do you want me to finish it? No, I can do it. I've never cried in the podcast before. But it's so sweet. Okay, I can finish it. And there's Andraste's Mabari by the holy prophet's side in the fight against Tevinter that dog would never hide. They say the maker sent him special, always loyal without pride, so he could be the sworn companion of the maker's holy bride. Yes, that's that Mabari's the companion of the maker's holy bride. Well, that was gut-wrenching. <laughs> I know! I don't care. I don't care if it's true. I don't care what historians say. It's true. It, it happened. It's true to me. <laughs> it's true to me. Yeah, um, I agree. It's really, it's really a sweet, very sweet codex entry. Um, the thing that stands out to me is the last verse, obviously where the dog Mabari sacrifices himself for not, not even for Andraste. Like he doesn't rescue her. He sacrifices himself just to be with her in death. Um, mm. And I think that that, that shows the true character, the true nobility, the true loyalty of the Mabari. 
-hmm. Even like to write this song and associate it with Andraste, this holy prophet, like shows like how valuable the Ferelden's view the Navari, like more than just, you know, a good military unit. Like it is something that is part of who they are. To link it with Andraste is a big deal. And I'm sure that this is only really sung in Tibet, in Ferelden and not really in Orle. Mm -hmm. But it just is showing and showing how much they value, like that you have to be a good person to own a Mavari and be the master of a Navari Mavari. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's really significant. I don't I think that this is really unique also to Ferelden's. Mm-hmm. Um we don't see a lot of this kind of stuff outside of Ferelden. Well, and it's also similar like we do judge presidents whether or not they have a dog or not. I mean, that is fair. And not even if they have a dog, but like what kind of dog they have. Mm-hmm. You know? Like nobody trusts a president who has a little yippie dog. <laughs> Just saying, dogs can be cute and fun. No, I'm not saying they aren't. Um, but you're right. I think there is something. There's something about like that big muscular dog, whether it's like a pit bull or a golden retriever or whatever. Our dog just lifted up her head when I said the word dog. But like, there's something about that kind of large dog that we associate with both power and like righteousness almost you know um and we obviously see this reflected in the war of the mabari like would we care about the mabari as much if they were a little yippy white dog with crusty red eyes Hmm. i don't know well and i think it just also kind of goes back to this like especially with pit bulls but especially we get this a lot with pit bulls and you know pit bulls have the potential to be the most loyal and sweet and gentle companions that you can ever have, though they are extremely loyal. Or if you mistreat them, they can become very ferocious and even deadly to a point. And so to like see someone with a loving and gentle pit bull automatically, in my brain at least, puts them into a good person status because I know okay you can at least treat someone who looks at you and depends on you with kindness yeah I very much agree with that as I have a mostly loving pitbull she's very sweet she just has a lot of feelings and she She... lets those feelings out in a bark well that's all she has Anyway, we got off topic a little bit, but let's go back to Ferelden and their thoughts about the Mabari. So Ferelden's have a proverb about the Mabari that says the Mabari is clever enough to speak and wise enough to know not to. That is very Ferelden. And I feel like is also a dig at Orle. 100%. Also, though, I'm like, man, I wish I was wise enough not to know when to speak. <laughs> like, I can't keep my mouth shut. But no, I do think because Orlais' entire culture is designed around saying one thing and meaning another. It's all about speaking and not revealing anything. And their proverb is, oh, well, the clever people, someone who is truly clever, 
knows how to speak, but knows when not to. True. That's really true. So um, there's also, there's also a codex entry titled dogs in Ferelden. And that codex entry claims that there are the same number of dogs in Ferelden as there are in other countries. It's just that Ferelden's value and respect their dogs more than other nations do. But the author of this codex entry also goes on to allege that Hafter, who was the first man to be named a Terran in Ferelden, was reportedly the son of a werewolf and is the ancestor of most of the current Ferelden nobles, which may explain their affinity for dogs. This is the quote from the Codex. More than half the noble families of Ferelden claim to be descendants of Hafter, and consequently many of our people believe they have some distant kinship with wolves. It's only good manners to be polite to one's kin. That's funny. I don't think that's true because um, I don't necessarily like relating people to animals. Right. No, that's fair. Um, I don't really have an opinion either way. Right. Well, I think this is a great time for our mid-break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yes, that's right. I stopped you to tell you that I'm an idiot. Whew! Thank the maker you know already. Now I can stop worrying, I'll be found out. Do try to have fun, dear. You could have been one of the Chargers, Blackwall. You've got the stature, the attitude. And you'd be my boss. Hey, I'm a great boss. I'm a firm believer in No Pants Fridays. I'd rather fight for a cause. Hey! No Pants Fridays is a cause. Well, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about everything that does not have to do with the lore of Dragon Age, but does relate to the podcast. And so I want to take this time, first of all, to thank our patrons. We could not do this podcast without you. We greatly appreciate all your support. And so I'm going to read out a couple patrons. So the first... Our first ever patrons get read out on every episode of the show. And so that is Lisa M, Genesis, and Derek B. So thank you all for your support. Also, a special, special thank you to Lewis H, our Nug King tier patron. Thank you so much for your support. We also have two new patrons. Stephen L, thank you for your support for signing up at the $20 First Enchanter tier. And thank you to Cloudy for signing up at the First Tier Patron. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like to support us on Patreon, you can find that link in the episode description. You can find various tiers from just basic early and ad-free episodes all the way up to coming on the show once a month for our patron chat, getting your name read out every episode. Lots of fun fun benefits there. Another great way to support us is to leave us ratings or reviews on Apple or Spotify. You can go over there and leave us five stars and we greatly appreciate it. We're currently trying to get to 50 reviews on Apple. So if you have not reviewed us on Apple, 
and you have an Apple account, please go over there, leave us five stars and some words, and we will read those words out on a future episode of the show. If you want to contact us and hang out with us, the best place to do that is on our Discord server, The Cups Podcasting and more. You can come in and hang out there, hang out with us, talk all about our other shows, the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, the Inheritance Cycle Page by Page podcast, this podcast, my Holocron Histories podcast that I host with Ben of Tamaria, that's all about Star Wars. You can hang out there, share pictures. We share pictures of our dog, everyone's dog. Do crazy, get into crazy shenanigans. But if you want news about our podcast, that server is the place to be. That's where you'll get it first. And so, yeah. And I think that's all we have for the middle of the show. All right. Well, let's get back into it. Beg that I succeed, for I have seen the throne of the gods, and it was empty. Your glibness does you no credit. You fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is bad. So, we've talked about Ferelden, we've talked about a lot of things. Let's talk about some known Mabari owners. So, the first Mabari we ever meet in game is if you play the Kuzland origin and Dragon Age origins. Um, and this is at least chronologically, if you don't play that origin, that is not the first uh, Mabari you meet, but chronologically in the story it is. So the Kuzland Warden has had their Mabari as a pet throughout their childhood um, and up to the point where we meet them at the beginning of the game and before they joined the warden. So the dog goes with them, well, at least tries to, but they get separated and um, after Ostagar, they get reunited. So basically the Kuzland hero of Ferelden loses their whole entire family, they think. Uh, they go to... They go to Ostagar. They think they've lost everyone again. Um, and then they are rescued by Flemeth and they leave and they meet their dog. And then later on, I assume they learn that Fergus Kuzland, the brother, isn't actually dead after all. So the Kuzland story is really one of, of thinking that everything was lost when it wasn't. <laughs> but they are the first uh, Mabari owner that we meet. I have just realized now how similar the Kuzlins and the Starks are mm-hmm. in story. Mm-hmm. Because very much second obligatory Game of Thrones reference. But you know, we always talk about oh, how Stark was destroyed. And at the end of the series, there are only there are three Stark children left alive. Mm-hmm. Four, really. Right. But so four and a half, they lose two siblings and their parents. Mm-hmm. But because of the drama, all of it, and they're separated for so long, a lot of them all think we're the only Starks left. Right. So I just thought that was interesting. That is a good comparison. So in addition to the Kuzland, uh, the hero of Ferelden, of course, can also become a Babari owner. To do this, you have to gather plants in the Kakari Wilds to heal the Kennel Master's sick Mabari before the Battle of Ostagar. 
If this quest is completed, the Mabari will find the hero of Ferelden after the battle and join the party. If you don't do this quest, you will not get the Mabari. And the dog is literally the best tank in the game. So that is just reality. And it's a dog. True. But if you don't do the quest, um, if the warden decides to do the return to Ostagar DLC, the warden then has one other opportunity to get the Mabari. The Mabari will be revealed to have survived the Darkspawn infestation and will be alive and willing to accompany the party, which I think speaks to their resilience. Yes. Will this happen if you don't do the Herbs quest? It, it The Wikipedia for Dragon Age um, says it will, so. Okay. The third character we know of that can have a Mabari, can be a Mabari owner, is Hawk. And so if you have the Black Emporium DLC, you will obtain a Mabari Warhound named Dog, of course, in the tradition of Origins, which you can then change the name of. Uh, the Mabari can then be summoned as a small fifth party member, similar to like how the ranger can summon animals. And then the last person that we know of officially um, that is a Mabari master is Cullen Rutherford in Halam Sharal during Trespasser. He finds and adopts a Mabari in the middle of all of these Orlesian people, all these Orlesian nobles, all the people that have gathered together to basically tear down the Inquisition. I can think of no better ending for Sir Cullen himself than to become a Mabari master in the middle of all of these Orlesians who he hates. If you romance Cullen and you do the wedding, the little the Mabari is sitting there at the wedding. So cute. It is very cute. So that's all I have about Mabari. Do you have any other thoughts? I do not. Well, are you ready to get into our side character? Um, yeah. So I'm really excited about today's side character. And let me tell you why. You may remember this, but this side character, when we first decided to do the podcast, we had like five or six sheets of poster board on, hung on our wall in our apartment uh, like two years ago, almost now. And we had like three or four as a timeline of like every major event in Thetis. And we had another one that was show ideas. Mm -hmm. And like half of one of these sheets of poster board was dedicated to potential side characters. And the very first one that I put on the list is today's side character. So exciting. I know. So we're talking about Moira Theron, who is the grandmother of Alistair and the mother of King Merrick. So we meet her in the stolen throne novel and i really loved her we don't get to see a lot of her um, but we do meet her in that book so are you ready to dive in i am okay so moira is also known as the rebel queen of ferelden she was the daughter of king brandle as i've just mentioned the mother of king merrick and grandmother of caelan and alistair theron Moira is very similar, I think, to Queen Elizabeth II in that she was the daughter of a king 
She did not change her last name when she got married. Her husband was the prince consort, like Prince Philip was. So similar to that. Moira lived through the Orlesian invasion of Ferelden. She did see her father die as a result of this invasion, and she herself would also die at the hands of the Orlesians and Ferelden traders. However, before she died, she did a lot of really extraordinary things. First and foremost, she was the inspiration for the Ferelden rebellion against Orle, and she went on to be the leader of this rebellion. She personally led the rebellion until her death. Moira was also a charismatic and determined leader. She often had the support of most of the Ferelden nobles, and she really never took no for an answer once she had her mind set on something. So in Origins, in the base game, you can find a painting gift for Sten that is the painting of the Rebel Queen. That's the title of it, which is supposedly a painting of Moira. But there, there's some discrepancy here, uh, as usually happens. The painting depicts her with bright red hair, but in The Stolen Throne, Merrick describes Moira with long blonde hair. So we don't really know, but regardless of her hair color, we do know that she was a very powerful warrior. Is this another, like, I like to think of giving this gift to Sten, especially if you are a female hero of Ferelden of just saying like look here's some women warriors Sten let's broaden mm-hmm. your perspective let's let's enlarge that worldview there buddy yeah I agree with that very much so let's get into the stolen throne so in the stolen throne we learned that Merrick's father died when Merrick was very young which meant that Moira really raised him on her own I mean, obviously with like palace help and whatnot, um, but for most of Merrick's life, um, he did not grow up in in palaces and in luxury like you would expect with most nobles and royalty that they would have servants and all of that. Moira is leading the rebellion and is in exile for a lot of his childhood. So I'm not really sure that that's super accurate in Merrick's case. But one of the most interesting things that Moira does in the entirety of her story is that she allows herself to be captured. She allows herself to be captured by none other than Arl Rendorn Garen. Now, that last name should be familiar to you because Rendorn Garen is the father of Eamon, Tegan, and Rowan Garen. Arl Eamon is, of course, the Arl that we have to rescue and heal in Dragon Age Origins. Tegan is Arl Eamon's brother, who we are introduced to in the village of Redcliffe, and who's really mean to us in Inquisition that I will never get over. And Rowan, of course, is the um, mother of King Kaelin. So... Moira gets captured by Rendorn's warriors and imprisoned in their dungeon in Redcliffe. She does all of this because she wants to get the Garens and the Arling of Redcliffe on the side of the rebellion. She obviously ran a huge risk that they're not going to come to her side and that they would just send her to Orlais to die. But we know that doesn't happen. Rendorn's conscience gets the best of him. And so as a result, Rendorn... He he does a few things. Um, 
He sends his younger sons to the free marches to stay out of the war, to stay in safety because they're, they're kids. Rowan is old enough to fight. She's a teenager. And we do see her fighting in the war with Merrick and Loghain. So Rendorn and Rowan then go into exile with Moira. Rendorn becomes her right-hand man, her general, and the commander of the rebellion's army. Moira and Rendorn also agree at this point that Merrick and Rowan will be betrothed to one another and they will get married when they come of age. And this happens when Merrick is a child. We don't know exact dates as far as I'm aware, but he's very young because he grows up knowing that he will be married to Rowan. So in 896 blessed age, after 50 plus years of living under the Orlesian occupation, Queen Moira was assassinated by Ban Corlick, a Ferelden noble. Ban Corlick and the others with him were Ferelden nobles who affiliated themselves with the Orlesian Empire over their home country of Ferelden. King Megrin then had Moira's head mounted on a pike and displayed at the gates of the royal palace in Denerim. That's pretty brutal, but again, this is war. Merrick, not even six years later, avenged Moira in nine to dragon. Merrick then put Megrin's head on a pike and placed it outside of Denerim's royal palace, just like Megrin had done to his mother. So this is pretty much the extent of Moira's story in The Stolen Throne. I wish we knew more, um, but we don't know a ton about her as she is not the main character of that book. But we do get a little bit more information about her in The Masked Empire. We learn in that book that her sword was taken from her body by Megrin after her death. And that the sword has remained in Orlais since the time of the rebellion. None other than Grand Duke Gaspard came into possession of the weapon and had it used by his servants exclusively to kill rats. This, of course, is an insult to Ferelden's, and he intends it to be that way. Gaspard then gives the sword as a cruel gift to a visiting Ferelden ambassador. This visiting Ferelden ambassador was Tegan Garen. Gaspard, by doing this, hoped to basically taunt him into a duel uh, to which Gaspard wants to inflame animosity between the two countries. Um, the way this situation gets resolved is Empress Selene actually steps in. She intercedes and diffuses the situation by instead of having the men duel with swords, they duel with feathers, which is the symbol of the Chevalier. So then Tegan returns to Freldon afterward and presumably returns her sword to its homeland. And that is all we know about Queen Moira. What are your thoughts? I definitely, I definitely see your comparison to Queen Elizabeth. Um, actually, I feel like both Queen Elizabeths. The first and the second. I also... I don't want to spend the whole time talking about Merrick, but I think that Merrick a lot of time lives in Moira's shadow. 
I think that he, his mother was a very beloved and charismatic leader, at least by the people who were on her side. And I think that once Moira's death was avenged, once the Orlesians were driven out, Merrick didn't know what to do with himself. And I don't necessarily think he was a bad king or necessarily a bad ruler, but I also don't think that he was necessarily a good king either. I don't fully disagree with what you're saying, but what I will respond to you with is that you need to read the comics. Um, We'll get into some more of Merrick's story later this season with another one of our side characters, but Merrick Merrick has to do some hard things in the war and he has to make some hard promises um, to, to people that helped him win the war that um, he has to, to uphold the end of those promises. And that's, that's part of why his reign doesn't go the way people will think it will, where he is, you know, a beloved King who lives and rules into his eighties. There are some things he has to do that, that don't end well for him. And we'll talk about those in another episode. But do you have any other thoughts about Mabari, Queen Moira, Ferelden, anything like that? I don't think so. Well, I loved this episode. I've been really excited about this episode ever since I finished the research like a month and a half ago. Um, I love talking about dogs and um it was this was just this has been one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far it's been a good one and a special shout out to our nung king patron lewis h who gets a special shout out at the end of every episode thank you so much for your support and thank you thank you all for listening to the dragon age lore cast we will see you next time Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's easily the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. You can find us there on patreon.com slash dragonagelorecast. The Dragon Age Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda, from Errol to Zora, and all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.